maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on whether or not to follow up after an RSVP decline, how to handle being a chronic canceler, the question of what you do for work when you're on a date, whether or not you should consult your partner before making individual social plans, and how to handle invitations from familiar strangers. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on the power of gratitude. For awesome etiquette sustaining members, your bonus question of the week is on avoiding the topic of work at social gatherings. You can listen to your ads-free version of the show with its extra question by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or on your phone or mobile device, you can download the Teachable app to access your version of the show. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the land of banana coconut muffins and the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post with blueberry muffins on the brain. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I know. We have banana coconut and blueberry muffins sitting right here. Do you know how hard it is to concentrate on our show? I'm pretty sure I inserted them into our, our billboard or our banner or whatever that is, the intro. We could be sponsored by muffins. I'm just telling you, they arrived... There's a basket of them just like half a foot away. They look so delicious. And we can't eat on the mic. This is like someone really decided to torture me this morning. The first question I asked was, is the whole basket for us? Can we take the whole basket? I know. We were definitely like, we don't we don't want to share. Our wonderful sound engineer, editor, audio extraordinaire guy, Chris, his wonderful wife, Betsy, bakes and about a year and a half ago, Betsy baked us these blueberry muffins that I haven't been able to shut up about for the past year and a half. And today, we got not only blueberry, which are amazing, in two sizes, we got banana coconut muffins. I didn't know I loved them as much as I do, and I love them. We get other things. We get cookies. We get cookies. We get gingerbread. We got cupcakes one day. We got cupcakes. But the muffins. <laughs> I think the muffins are the thing. They are the winner. Betsy, thank you so, so, so much. Okay. Yeah. We have a show to do. Okay, okay. We we did not plan to talk about muffins on our intro. This was a surprise that we are both obsessed with. What we had thought about talking about was your week last week. I took care of Anisha for almost an entire week. What? Wait, but you take care of Anisha every week. What's different about this one? I was all by myself. Oh, how did you do, Dad? I did awesome. Yes. <laughs> I will take a bow. I will take another bow. Um, I didn't do it all by myself. There was lots Help. of support. There always is. My parents were around. There was Patty, who takes care of Anisha a couple days a week. Pooja's parents, who came for a weekend and really? stayed an extra day just to sort of launch me off. Aww. Pooch was away at a conference. She was doing a professional development training for five nights. So okay. I had Anisha for a full six days, and it was absolutely delightful. I called Pooja on Wednesday night and said, I, I can't remember. Are you coming home on Thursday mm -hmm. evening or is it midday Friday? And she said, no, it's Friday. 
And I said to myself, oh, yes, good. <laughs> get one more day. All that attention and all that time together must be incredibly special. It really was. I found myself looking forward to my longer times with her. Yeah. Where I could really just settle into being with her and watching her do what she wanted to do. I'd have my plans, things that I wanted to do, but a lot of times I'd tell myself I'm going to go hang out with Anisha and see what happens. And those were my favorite times from the whole week. Oh, that's so awesome. Just so you know, Dan's tearing up at the mic. I am not tearing up at the <laughs> you mic. You are totally tearing up. Do you want a muffin? <laughs> I do want a muffin. <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy because it was so sweet. You told me about the sweetest little moment from your last morning together where you guys woke up and you were both still really tired. So after about like what, like an hour of being up, you went, you took another like er, very early morning nap together, which was very unusual. And We went back to bed. She yeah. never does that. She's a very awake and action go, go, oriented go child. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but to have her just curl up and fall asleep on me and then to fall asleep with her. It felt like a really nice way to end the week. There was a father-daughter connection that I will remember for a long, long time. Oh, I love hearing that. (laughs) Well, and I love telling the story, so thank you for giving me a chance to share. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's share some awesome etiquette with our audience today. Let's do it. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to tell us you're a sustaining member so we answer your question on your ads-free version of the show. 
Our first question is titled, Thank You for Inviting Me. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I accepted a job in April at a hospital. In May, I received an invitation in the mail from the CEO of said hospital. I was invited to a new employee's welcome dinner. I RSVP'd via his secretary, declining due to a previously scheduled family vacation. I am wondering if I should have followed up with a personal note to the CEO telling him that I truly appreciated the invitation. I am not in management, if that matters. I'm a therapist like Pooja. Thank you. Best, Kathleen. Kathleen, I want to offer you three congratulations in a row. (laughs) First, congratulations on your new job. Second, congratulations on being invited to dinner with the CEO of your hospital. And the third congratulations is for accomplishing your RSVP. Yes. It is really important to respond to invitations. Sometimes you say yes. Sometimes you say (laughs) no. And those are both appropriate, reasonable replies. It's why someone invites you. It's why they request that you respond because it's not a given that you're going to be able to (laughs) attend. And so many people avoid that. RSVP, particularly if they have to decline. So I said it a little bit cheekily, but (laughs) well done on that RSVP, no. As far as the follow-up, there you have more options. It's absolutely not required. It's not um, an obligation. It's not necessarily dictated by good etiquette that you explain your reasons for not coming and make some sort of effort to connect after the fact. It's true. You really don't need to follow up beyond the RSVP on this. This is also one that you could mention in passing when you see the CEO in the hall of the hospital or the next meeting or something. You could say, you know, I really wanted to just say thank you so much for the invitation to the new employees dinner. It was really thoughtful. I was I was truly sorry to miss it. And that could be an easy way to express your intent without writing the letter. I, you, I don't want to discourage Kathleen from writing this letter if she would like to from writing this note, but I think you you RSVP'd appropriately. And unless these are one-on-one invitations for like a personal dinner with the CEO and the CEO is doing that like over the course of two weeks or something with all the new employees, which I don't think this, that's what this sounded like, then I think the, the follow-up note is not needed. Although, like we said, you can always go that extra mile. My first thought when I read this question was bummer, (laughs) missed opportunities because you want to be able to say yes to these kinds of things and you just can't. And I think it's a really natural feeling to want to not let that whole opportunity moment pass and that desire to extend it or attenuate it or, or take advantage of the fact that the invitation was made to make that personal connection I think is a reasonable thought. But you want that to be a appropriate proportional. Yeah response and sort of not succumbing to that emotional impulse of trying to hold on to that missed opportunity, I think, is a good part of managing the proportionality of that reply. And I I feel you getting at that (laughs) with your answer there. Kathleen, thank you so much for your question. And once again, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Our next question is titled Chronic Cancellations. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I've been listening to your show since almost the very beginning and consistently enjoy your advice and commentary. You've mentioned before on the show how important it is to keep commitments and not cancel them last minute. However, I have a specific situation I'm curious if you can comment on. I suffer from several chronic health conditions that result in pain and or illness on a regular basis. Sometimes I get months of decent health. Other times, like this past winter and spring, I'm in and out of bad shape for months at a time. As you can imagine, these conditions frequently get in the way of my social life. I enjoy dinners with friends, game nights, and other social activities as often as I can. However, sometimes my conditions mean that I need to cancel these plans last minute. 
I always tell people, as soon as I know, I am too ill to attend, and let them know that it's for health reasons, not just because something better came up or I didn't feel like it. Sometimes I'm able to cancel up to a week in advance. Other times I'm only able to give a few hours notice. I used to just push through, but I found that this can result in the illness and or pain getting worse and missing multiple days of work or other activities. My doctors recommend I rest when I'm having a flare-up. I've suffered from these conditions for about three years, and recently I've noticed several friends being less interested in making plans with me. When asked, they cite their busy schedules and my frequent last-minute cancellations. Is there a better way I can handle these situations as they come up? Is there chronic illness etiquette I'm missing? Should I just stop scheduling plans in advance? Thanks for your help. Warmly, Chronic in California. Oh, Chronic in California. This can be so tough. This is one of those times where you you really are kind of at the mercy of your conditions. You're right not to push through if pushing through isn't something that works. Um, and you do need to take care of your body. And I just I don't think you should feel badly about how you have to take care of yourself in order to feel good or to get through the times when you feel bad. But I would encourage you to talk to some of your friends as much detail as you feel comfortable sharing without then going to, to into the TMI category. I would suggest sharing with those who you really feel comfortable with that the reality of this problem for you that way or this condition for you that way they can really understand that the intent isn't to be putting them out or to be having them make food and prepare drink for something that you then can't be there at but that it's it's that you really are upset that you can't be there i was having the exact same thought yeah. that in some ways you want to share not just the the details of the situation to the extent that you can, but also your frustrations with them to the extent that's true, that if you talk also about the way you feel about it, your emotional response, the way you see it maybe impacting friendships or your ability yeah. to participate, I think it maybe even is something you can turn into an opportunity to build a bond or understanding, make some bridges and connect in ways that aren't necessarily about the the details of the illness, but about how it impacts effects. your social life and your friendship. Totally. I was thinking that even just letting a friend know, hey, I just want to let you know, I want to say yes to this invitation. However, I do have this condition and sometimes it flares up and I, it, it puts me in such a, a tough spot because I don't want you to count on me and like I was saying, spend money and make effort and then have me not be able to be there. But it's just a reality, unfortunately, that I, I have to live and deal with. And even that showing that you understand how it impacts the other person puts them in a more sympathetic frame of mind. I agree. This was a similar follow-up thought that I was having. You want to keep those plans as loose as possible. You don't want to make conditional acceptance right. of invitations right, or right, right. recurring pattern also. But there is, I think, some appropriate gray area middle ground where you accept but you built that acceptance into a, a, a longer discussion or understanding about – the fact that things happen and for you at this particular time in your life, those things are unpredictable and have consequences that are things you really can't ignore. The one thing that just is a reality in this is that some friends aren't going to be as sympathetic and there's not much that you can do about that. And I say focus on the ones who are willing and able to accommodate uh, what's going on in your life because those are going to be the supportive friends who understand and who understand intention in friendship beyond the actual circumstance that ends up happening. 
there are some things you just can't control. Exactly. So you take control of the things you can and you build on those good times with the friends that stick with you. Chronic in California, we hope you feel better and that this advice helps with the social side of life. What can you do when a fellow's been sick? He just can't be expected to do well, especially if he isn't given a decent chance. Our next question is titled, What Do You Do? Dear Dan and Lizzie, I've been listening to your show since it made its way onto a list of favorite podcasts on the College Prepster slash Carly the Prepster blog. Today, I finally feel brave enough to ask a question that I feel is a matter of etiquette. I don't know if this has been covered on your show, so please forgive me if it has. Here's my situation. I've signed up for an online dating app, and often one of the first questions prospective dates ask me is what I do for a living. I find this to be a huge turnoff, and I never know where to take the conversation after I've answered this question. I currently work in the book publishing industry, and I don't hate my job. In fact, I like it. But I also recognize its limits in defining me. And when it comes to online dating conversations, I can't shake the feeling that people are just trying to peg my social status by asking me what I do for work. After all, my job tells them very little about my interests, what I love to do, or who I am, so I consider it to be a little rude because it's classist. I've also noticed that while some people outright ask me about my job in face-to-face social situations too, it's much less common and not one of the first questions when it does happen. On the other hand, it's common enough online that I'm beginning to doubt myself. Am I wrong to feel sensitive about this? And how can I handle it? Is there an appropriate way to explain sensitivity regarding a certain topic or line of questioning without sounding pompous? Recently, I was even reprimanded for not reciprocating. Because even when I do answer questions about what I do in a first chat, I don't usually ask back. I chose not to answer this person because, frankly, I wasn't sure how to explain that I found the question insensitive without the implication that they'd somehow been rude in the first place. Thank you so much for reading this. I would love your thoughts. Best, Confused Swiper. Confused Swiper, I love your question, and thank you for the support for Awesome Etiquette since the beginning. (laughs) This is something we've discussed. This is a topic that Lizzie and I have enjoyed discussing between ourselves for years now. Yes. It's an appropriate conversation question or etiquette, whether or not it's good etiquette to ask someone what they do for a living. I particularly like the twist of how this is coming up in the context of dating and online dating as a get to know as part of the get to know you process. So that is a very and, new twist on this very classic uh, and question. And on top of that, that it's coming up early in the online or dating app like connection and communication and a little later in the in-person dating experience. I thought that was a really interesting observation. So let's go back a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about asking someone what they do for a living. Okay. In Europe, (laughs) it's just considered rude. Yeah. And it's not rude, boorish. Mm -hmm. It's what I do all day. It's how I make money. It's not what I want to talk about now that I'm with you in a social situation. I, I think the underlying attitude, there is just a hint of that it's classist. Attitude in the European perspective also that it's as if you're trying to sort and organize me based on what I do. And that can be a a really defining question in some places. Well, it's essentially saying how do you make your money? 
Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, that's what the question gets at in a lot of ways. But the problem is, is that that's not only what the question gets at. It also gets at how do you spend your time all day long, you know, or but it's interesting because different people of different economic statuses are going to feel good or bad answering that question. It's a, it's funny how sensitive a question it can be. Um, I've seen folks, I, I remember I had a boyfriend who was unemployed for quite a long time, and it was a very sensitive question at that time. Also have friends who are fortunate enough to not need to be employed, and they get awkward when they get asked that because they feel very judged for being so fortunate. And it can be really complicated. I personally can't stand getting this question because... I know it bothers you particularly. Oftentimes it turns into just work for the rest of the conversation. So if you're at a party and someone says, oh, wow, well, that's a little different. I have an etiquette question for you. And doctors write in telling us that they get the... People ask me to diagnose things at parties. And work can be one of those things where people are just, when they're in their social world, they just don't want to go back and visit their work world. And it's such easy, low hanging fruit. It's such an easy question. And in the States, it's like such a common question. And that's the rub. Ah. We're not operating in Europe. We're in America. And in America, it is such a common get to know you question. The idea, the social prohibition against this question, particularly early on, simply doesn't exist. Right. So it's something that we hear about people dealing with in this particular context, it's dating where you're trying to get to know people and you don't want to come across as questioning their question. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of a quick pat answer, mm-hmm. something that lets you deliver it and move on. It's something we talk about. It's a particular skill okay, what in have conversation. You got? What, have you got? what have you got? Well, my day job is X, Y, or Z, but once the clock strikes five, I really prefer to talk about my passion, which is opera. <laughs> there you go. Whatever that, that next thing is, you sort of acknowledge yeah. the question, acknowledge that it didn't come from an inappropriate place, that really it is a pretty common social custom. Yeah. And you answer it and then you move on to something that you really are more interested in. As far as the reciprocity of the question, I don't necessarily know if you owe someone that. I think that as long as you're genuinely interested in them and that conversation moves on naturally and you continue to to share about the parts of yourself that you're comfortable sharing about mm-hmm. and you show interest in someone else, I think that you can probably move through that. And if they really want to bring it up, I think they're probably going to find a way to do that at some point. I feel like if you're asking about what they are interested in and their job is something they're interested in, that's going to come up. But I also feel like just because our listener holds the perspective of this question is rude, it really doesn't mean that the other person does. And it really doesn't mean that the other person isn't hoping to get the opportunity to talk about what they do. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to put out there that this question, while it can be connected to money and what you do, and you can take a lot of jobs in various industries and say they indicate certain types of personalities or levels of ambition – It's not necessarily the case. And give opportunity for the other person to not be trying to just measure you up against financial status or, you know, your level at a company and how successful you are at business. It can be an innocent question is what I'm trying to say. And it might actually give the other person a chance to talk about something that they really do love to talk about. Lots of people love their work. 
And it's a positive thing. I mean, Dan, Dan and I really love what we get to do. And there are moments where it's really great to get to talk about and share that with people. There are other moments where it's where, you know, it can be difficult or just not what you want to be doing in that moment. But I loved your sample script because it politely answers the question. And since this person actually likes what they do and their job isn't the only thing in their life, it allows them to say, you know, I'm in book publishing, but boy, after five, I really love to talk about opera. And I just thought that is so nice because it redirects, but it politely answers the question and it moves you forward into the other parts of your life that you do want to share. It was a great sample script because a good conversation will have a natural ebb and flow. Yeah. And if they're willing participants on all sides of a conversation, you can play the game with how you direct and guide that ebb and flow into areas and topics that are not just of interest to one person but both people mm-hmm. and really keep everyone participating. And I like your focus also on yourself and your response and staying away from the judgment mm-hmm. of what someone else is doing because that's an important part of etiquette. If we're really to get back to the essential etiquette here, we often talk about how you really can't change someone else's behavior. It's not the appropriate time to lecture someone or try to direct how they get to know somebody, but to notice your own feelings and responses. And I, I feel that self-awareness in the Absolutely. way this question is asked. Absolutely. Our question asker did a really nice job of saying, but wait a minute, am I not thinking about this right? Or is it rude to this other person? And I don't want them to feel judged. Yeah. I don't want them to feel like I'm commenting on what they're doing or criticizing them for what they're doing. Right. But at the same time, I have a desire to stay true to myself and acknowledge that inner feeling within me. And it's it's why I also felt comfortable starting this question saying, we kind of feel where you're coming from here. Absolutely. This question is potentially charged. It does touch on some areas like money and your personal life that can be very private and aren't necessarily things that you are wanting to be talked about in first meeting in more casual social situations. Before we wrap up this question, I do want to mention that in our sustaining member bonus question of the week, we address the same work topic, but in a slightly different scenario. And we have some really great sample scripts. Confused Swiper, we really hope this helps. We hope that this gives you some backup for answering this question and moving forward to the topics that you want to talk about. And good luck with the dating. Diving into the social swim is a lot easier than it seems. It's just a matter of following a few very simple rules of etiquette, a matter, too, of having a little courage. Our next question is titled, Let Me Consult My Partner. Good afternoon. Could you please let me know if there is a specific etiquette to letting your partner know when you have solo plans like lunch with a friend or a work event? Should you consult your partner before agreeing to any social gatherings without them? Thank you for your time. Lauren. Lauren, this is like a big question. It feels a little charged, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. And I guess we, we probably need to really start off with the blanket statement that every partnership, every romantic partnership is really its its own and it has their own defining rules about what's appropriate social engagement. And we can give our opinions and we can tell you different ways to protect people and the different ways people do this. But at the end of the day, it's really up to each couple to decide how they handle their social interactions and what obligations they have to talk to each other about it. We all make commitments to each other in so many ways. And sometimes those commitments are explicit 
and very clearly defined. Other times they're developed over time in very subtle and unspoken ways. And I love that idea of a relationship having its own coherence, its own internal logic. Yeah. And I think being true to that internal logic, respecting those commitments and those obligations, however they've been made to each other, is to me the heart of the really respectful behavior that's going to guide you when you're making all the gray area choices that are going to come <laughs> into play with a question like this. So you ask about the etiquette of letting your partner know when you're doing something independently, whether it's work or social. I mean, most partnerships, people like to remain somewhat individuals within them and have their own friendships and or work events and things like that that they attend. And it's perfectly okay. And it's nice simply from a we live in the same space and our schedules impact each other. So letting each other know when you are booking those things independently, I think, is good communication in a relationship um, if you've been if you've set each other up that way. And I think the heart of it is that you really do want to communicate your plans. Now, whether or not you have to ask or hold a space for your partner to join, I think is different. And we actually hear in other questions about how um, it can be very frustrating when couples always assume they're being invited to things together and friends and, and family are never seeing each other without a partner or a spouse around. We absolutely hear versions of this question <laughs> that approach it from so many angles. And so often our answer comes down to that consideration, respect and honesty framework, the the consideration, the thinking about the other major players that are involved and there I think about the impact, particularly on your partner. Does your acceptance impact them in some way? Are they included in the invitation? Are they not? Do you usually have lunch with them? Are you usually home at a certain time? If it starts to, to impact them in a way, then I think you start to have a reasonable expectation of that other word that I heard my cousin mm -hmm. use that's so important, which is communication. Yeah. That you want to respect the the standards of communication that have developed in a relationship or you want to adhere to standards of communication that you would like to be the standards in your relationship, that you build those behaviors and you make them explicit parts of how you operate. Another thing to think about here that you think about your partner, but you also think about yourself and you stay true to yourself in these situations. And you can really use that as a guide when you're making little quick calls. How does it make you feel? And really be honest with yourself about whether or not you think what you're doing is something that is going to make your partner feel good or not and make you feel good or not. And being true to that that little internal voice and being genuine and sincere in terms of how you operate I think is a good way to – Guide yourself. I'm hearing yourself walk around saying that if you're, if you're feeling like your partner is upset that you've made plans and you're thinking, I should just be able to make these plans, this is a conversation you and your partner need to then have. Or, you know, vice versa. If your partner's making plans and, and you're going, hey, it'd be nice to give me a check-in on that. I'm not trying to dominate your life, but it would be nice to know for my own schedule. Then that's something you'd want to speak up about. Absolutely. Just communicate about. Or yeah. if your little internal voice saying this is no big deal. Yeah, then listen to that. Then it's no big deal. <laughs> and, and trust yourself to make that choice yeah. also. Lauren, while we can't make a blanket etiquette statement on this one, we do hope that it encourages you to have the conversation with your partner about what's going to work for the two of you. From the beginning, we were learning to live together. And marriage is far more than loving together and enjoying companionship. 
It's making decisions together. And we had to learn to plan as partners. Our next question is titled, Really? I'm invited? <laughs> this question comes in from Facebook. If you get an invitation for a wedding or a bar mitzvah from someone you have not seen in many, many years, and they live a long distance away, is it proper etiquette to send a gift when you are more than shocked that you were invited? Thank you kindly for your thoughts in advance. This does not happen to me, by the way. I have I've received one baby shower invite that I couldn't figure out who the mom-to-be was or how I got on this mailing list. That's the only time that's ever happened to me. But, like, I've never had the thing where you get invited to, like, weddings of, like, previous bosses, sons' kids, daughters, like, whatever's. That scene from Spaceballs, roommate's cousin. Yeah, yeah. Like, I haven't been in that place. But this happens. People, like, get they get invitation happy. And they're like, the most amazing thing is happening to me. I have to invite everyone who's ever been a part of my life to it. And, and I don't want to mock that sense of, like, exuberance and everything, even though it sounds like I am. But it's, it's funny how it's a real thing that really happens. And people write in saying, I'm invited to these things. And I don't know why I'm being invited. So putting the shocked response aside. Okay, so getting down to the etiquette, what's the answer? You send a small gift for the wedding invitation. That's a pretty established etiquette standard at this point, and it doesn't need to be a big deal. It doesn't need to be something that puts you out a great deal, but a little something from your favorite shop that you stick in the mail shouldn't take too long, and then you've participated. Yeah, or you choose one of the less expensive, less interesting registry items off the registry or something like that. It's, you know, you make it easy. Don't worry about it being a big deal. It's a pretty small lift. Don't let that shocked get in the way. As far as the bar mitzvah, a card is probably going to be enough in that situation. Yeah. Acknowledge that invitation. Essentially deliver your RSVP as you would when you're invited to something and play the kind. Congratulate them on this significant step in their life. Absolutely. Joy, thanks for all your feedback on the show. We really hope this helps. Thank you for your questions. Please, please, please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette when you post so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining member in your question. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Our first piece of feedback is about the accessible bathrooms question we answered in episode 204. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I have two thank yous to make regarding the accessible bathrooms question you answered in episode 204. The first goes to the person who submitted the question for her awareness and thoughtfulness on this issue. The second goes to the two of you for your spot-on advice on this question. My husband uses a wheelchair, and he constantly runs into issues with individuals who don't need it, tying up the accessible restroom stall. As you mentioned, the issue is not with someone who runs into the stall for one to two minutes because it was the only one available. The issue is with people who camp out in the stall for long periods of time. He has waited for over 30 minutes before for the accessible stall to open up. Often he ends up having to get back in the car and drive somewhere else to use the restroom or give up and hold it. Not a pleasant prospect. 
Raising awareness on this issue is extremely helpful. I think many people set up camp in the accessible stall assuming they aren't causing any harm, not realizing it is literally the only stall in the entire restroom that some people can use. Thank you again for your wonderful advice on this question, and hats off to the person who submitted it for her exemplary showing of consideration and respect. Michelle. Michelle, thank you for your feedback. We asked for feedback about this question. It's really nice to hear from you. Michelle, I love that you were parsing out that it's not the person who's using it for one to two minutes to keep the line moving, but it's the person who's camping out in it and no one, not that you need to know why someone's camping out in it, but, you know, it's one thing if this is how long it takes. It's another thing if you're just sitting there reading the paper or, you know, changing and doing a full makeup thing, you know. Anyway, we've been really enjoying the response that's been coming in about this question. I'm going to try to read this next piece of feedback in a way that really does it justice. Lizzie Post, I didn't know you knit. (laughs) Smiley face emoticon. See how listening to so many of your podcasts makes me feel like we know each other and are already in the middle of a fascinating conversation? Laugh out loud. (laughs) Seriously, though, how did I not know that you knit? You and Dan are so generous with sharing lovely details from your personal lives with us listeners. Really appreciate that. It makes me feel like I know so much about you. How could I have missed this delicious knitting tidbit for so long? Another smiley face emoticon. (laughs) Setting my astonishment aside, this topic opens up a whole new world for me when I think about awesome etiquette now. Which I love so much, Fab Podcast. It gets me through my hefty commute smiling and nodding, and I admit sometimes chiming in. (laughs) There is surely a whole host of etiquette surrounding knitting and other needlework or crafts that are portable and often done in public settings or in the company of others. I know when I was dating, my knitting really had to take a back seat because I felt so awkward and uncomfortable knitting around my fella. I don't know that emoticon, but it looks like a a funny one. It's It's a a different kind of smiley face. (laughs) Dorky Dan not reading emoticons well coming in here. (laughs) Back to the feedback. It seemed rude. Even if we were just sitting around in my living room watching TV when I'd normally be knitting, I couldn't seem to work up the nerve to knit until we were living together. And I still felt like I was somehow taking time and attention away from him. Same goes for friends with other knitting, crocheting, embroidering friends. Of course, we can get together and craft. How much of a time-honored tradition is that? But when I'm spending time with even close friends who aren't crafters, I really hesitate to whip out my knitting, even if I'm in a time crunch with a gift I'm making and we're just sitting around chatting. Different kind of smiley face, but still a smiley face. I finally overcome my shyness about knitting in coffee shops, doctor's office, waiting rooms, on airplanes. Yes, it is allowed again. In train stations and the like. But I'm still in awe of a woman I often see knitting while we're waiting for a high school band concert to start. Just not quite there yet. (laughs) Fourth kind of smiley face. Then there's a whole topic of gifting handmade pieces, both as the person who puts their time and heart into a handmade gift and those who graciously, hopefully, receive handmade gifts. Anywho, I hope to hear more about knitting and your knitting on your awesome podcast. Back to the first smiley face. Happy stitching, Lynn Jansen Brooks. Who knits your round even in the summer? Lynn, thank you so much. I feel very, I feel initiated into the knitting community from our our podcast listeners. I have not been knitting long. That is why you did not know this, is that it was a new thing that I took up earlier this year. And I am only halfway through my third knitting project, which is a scarf. And I have my fourth knitting project, which is another scarf going to. They should be finished soon. 
they're not great. Each one I start, I then think of what the next pattern I would want to do is and that sort of thing. But I really do enjoy it. And it's been it's been a nice addition to my life. And I haven't yet gotten to the place where I'm knitting all over the place and encountering like, I hope that I start dating someone and have to balance my knitting with my dating life. That would be excellent. <laughs> this would be good. Lynn, I so enjoyed your feedback. <laughs> I, I, I could fun? feel your spirit coming through the, 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 the email in front of me. It really was a treat. And I definitely want to come back. It's a little bit feedback, a little bit question. Yeah. And I definitely want to parse this one out and get it back into a show at some point. We can tackle some of the, the questions that Lynn asked about I'm... navigating relationships around these other little things that people do. Thank you so much for your feedback. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. K-I-N-D. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. So today's Postscript is inspired by an article that was sent to Lizzie and I via Facebook from a listener to this show. And I want to thank all of you who participate with the show through our social media channels. We really appreciate it. And it continues to inform the work that Lizzie and I do. This particular article is called Underestimating the Power of Gratitude. Recipients of thank you letters are more touched than we expect. Really? Because we've had some people write in saying, remember the one person we had write in saying like, "Uh uh-uh, don't write it to me. I don't want it. I'm telling you, I loved receiving this article and we have reshared it. You can find it in our social streams on Facebook and Twitter. I'm going to share it again because it was one of the most engaged pieces of content that we've put out in quite some time. Other people were as pleasantly surprised by this as I was and our, our listener was. The thing that is so delightful about this is that it actually starts to put some science behind something that we say all the time, which is that thank you notes matter. Gratitude matters. And Mm -hmm. it is a theme that that comes in waves on this show where we'll get a lot of questions about thank you notes, the importance of them, how to write them well, when are the best times to deliver them, how to build the habits around doing that. And this research really touches on a lot of those themes. I'm going to read a couple excerpts from the article. This is written by Kristen Jarrett, and Kristen is writing up some research that was done by Amit Kumar, and this was originally published. His research was originally published in Psychological Science. Okay. The article begins, we've all been there, feeling so grateful to a friend or colleague that we hatch the idea of sending them a thank you message, but then we worry about how to phrase it, and then we figure it probably won't mean much to them anyway. If anything, it could all be a bit awkward. So we don't bother. Does this sound familiar? Then they get into explaining (laughs) this research a little bit. This research involved hundreds of participants, some recruited to take part in the psych lab, others online. The format through all of these experiences was broadly similar. Participants were asked to write a letter of thanks via email to someone who had touched their life in a meaningful way, including expressing what the person had done and how it had affected their life. They were also asked, these participants, to make various predictions about how the recipient would feel and perceive them, the person who was sending the thank you note. Then the researchers made contact with the people who had received Received the the notes and asked them what they thought of the people who sent them and how they felt about the experience of receiving the note. It's like exactly the study we would have wanted to commission. (laughs) Absolutely love it. (laughs) 
Let's get to the results, shall okay. we? The senders of thank you letters consistently underestimated how positive the recipients felt about receiving the letters and how surprised they were by the content. The senders also overestimated how awkward the recipients felt, and they underestimated how warm and especially how competent the recipients perceived them to be. Age and gender made no difference to the pattern of findings. These results led the people that conducted the survey to believe that there is an asymmetry between the perspective of the potential expressor of gratitude and the recipient, and that this means that we often refrain from a powerful act of civility that would benefit both parties. A similar dynamic could also play out in other situations. If people engaging in pro-social actions are more concerned about competence than those benefiting from them, then our experimental results should be just one example of a broader tendency, the researcher said. I found this work so... <laughs> inspirational. Inspirational. Right? If you ever think to yourself, oh, I just feel a little awkward about doing this, and, and, and it's a very common thought, trust yourself, get over that hurdle, do the little nice thing. You are probably underestimating the impact that it will have, both how good it will make someone else feel and how good it will make them feel about you. Unbelievable. I, whether it was in the dating world or my friendships or my family life, would often feel moments of wanting to reach out to someone and just say something nice. And I would be like, oh, my gosh, no, they're going to think like I'm totally obsessed with them or like I'm awkwardly inserting myself into their life where I don't need to be. These are my friends, my family, the people I've dated. <laughs> like, holy insecurities, Batman. <laughs> like, I have learned to get over that little self-conscious moment that mm -hmm. I have about it. And just say, you know what? I am always blown away when I receive that little thank you text message from a friend or that, hey, I'm thinking of you or, hey, how did that thing go? And I feel so much better for jumping that hurdle. And I can this is this is so great to have it in proven studied format <laughs> to back it up. <laughs> well, that's the good news. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's all of us. We all do this. It's a tendency. And it is my great hope that this show and the kinds of discussions that we have on this show help people get over that little hurdle yeah. that by giving some very simple common sense advice about writing a thank you note and reminders about the importance of taking that action that it gets just a little bit easier to do that thing. And whether it's the thank you note that was the particular thing the thing that was looked at in this study <laughs> yeah. or whether it's that broader idea that the researchers said might apply in other situations, these pro-social activities yeah. that really are what we call good etiquette. It's reaching out to people and it is important. Dan, thank you so much. That is such an awesome Postscript segment today. Well, thank you to all of our listeners, and please do keep these links coming. We love to hear what you're seeing and reading about out in the world. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today we have a very sweet salute from one sister to another. And I don't know if you're like me, but you might want to grab your tissues because when someone else gets teary-eyed, I get teary-eyed, so get ready. Hi, I'm calling with a salute. Um, this salute is to my sister. I have an illness that weakens my immune system, and she came down and watched my daughter for five days so that I could recover in a therapy, and she did such a wonderful, wonderful job. She followed my daughter's schedule to a T, 
and got her to try new food. And my daughter had such a good time, and it was just such a wonderful experience having her here. It made me feel better, and it was great to spend time with her. So I wanted to call in a salute to my sister. She is wonderful. I love the show. Thanks, guys. I can't imagine how amazing it must be when you are really in a place where you can't do the things that you'd like to be doing to take take care of your own family and someone steps in and does them so well. It is you can hear from your voice and you can hear from the situation that there is a lot of love and consideration and respect in this family. Thank you so much for sharing your salute. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, Dan is at Daniel underscore post. And I am at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And on Facebook, we are not only Awesome Etiquette, but the Emily Post Institute as well. So come find us. Consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by the amazing Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris.